Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. feel like I've said this every week, but this last month sure has been a crazy one. Our lives have changed. Our lifestyle has changed. Our jobs have changed. Most of us, I believe, are are now working from home. Uh, Some of us have been affected because daycares have closed. Uh, Many schools are closed. The kids are home. We're working and navigating through e-learning. Some of us miss the gym, some of us miss sports, some of us just flat out miss our social lives. And so we're beginning to wonder, what does life look like? Some of you are in essential jobs, and so you feel maybe uh, in harm's way or at risk when you go to work every day. And if I were trying to capture exactly why this last month has been so wild, the only thing that I could really say is that I think we're more aware than ever that our lives are not at peace. We're more aware than ever that something is missing. We've lost our routines. We've lost the illusion that everything that we do is is normal. And I don't want to make anyone mad this morning, but I think if we're being honest, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, maybe there's a chance that even before this pandemic, uh, most people had some habits and felt a sense of pride or accomplishment, but maybe we never felt peace with our lives. I think we would all agree that at some point during this phase, we've been constantly searching for peace. And if we want to know the truth, even if we got our normal lives back, even if tomorrow everything was back to normal, the reality is I don't think that we would find peace. We can run to every option that businesses and relationships and money and sports and fun offers us, but we won't find peace. Our culture teaches us to chase everything and look for joy in all of it. And unfortunately, that contradicts the teaching of Jesus, who has told us that he alone gives us joy when we trust him. Do you ever catch yourself with the sneaking suspicion that you'll wake up on your deathbed or with this nagging sense that somehow in all of the hurry and busyness and activity, you miss the most important things? Somehow you started a business, but you ended your marriage. You got your kids to their dream colleges, but you never taught them the way of Jesus. You got those letters after your name that seemed so important, but you learned the hard way that intelligence is not the same thing as wisdom. You made a lot of money, but never grew rich in the things that matter most, which ironically aren't things at all. You watched all 14 seasons of fill-in-the-blank show, but you never learned to value prayer. Well, long before Thoreau wandered into the woods, the Apostle Paul said this, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. You and I are finite beings, and we live in a finite world. So we must decide in light of following Jesus what's important, what matters most, and what are we going to pursue and invest ourselves in? The question that we have to ask can can best be addressed as, as Jesus said it this way. 
And what do you benefit if you gain the world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? We need to embrace this truth today in the name of our series that we start. You can't have it all. Now, I know I said that with a smile on my face, and it's a sobering thing to say. You can't have it all. But this series is where we want to go for the next four weeks. This series has been majorly inspired by the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And so I'm going to be uh, taking inspiration from there, quoting passages of that. It's a book that I've read. Our our staff has read. We've all asked our spouses to read it because we loved it so much. And I, I can't recommend it to you enough. But the goal of this series in these next four weeks isn't just to talk about living our lives or or talk us out of living life or attempting something great, but rather we want to make sure that as we live our lives for Jesus, that we're living our best lives and attempting not just great things, but attempting the right things with the right focus as followers of Jesus. So here's our big idea for this morning. This is the big idea of where we want to go, and I hope this takes root in your heart and we can begin to unpack this together. It's this. If you want to experience the life of Jesus— You have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Now, let me be honest. I I spoke about a similar topic a couple of months ago, and I just want to open up to you. This last year has been one of the craziest of my life. Long before this pandemic, I, I found myself just very tired and beginning to question things. I found myself run down and not as enthusiastic as I've kind of been my whole life as a happy-go-lucky guy. And so I started searching and reading and leaning into my relationship with Jesus and asking some questions. And this book and these topics pointed me to scripture and pointed me to God in a way that I, I found refreshed me and I think will refresh you. And so this isn't some stagnant, detached topic today. This is where I've been for the last month, for the last year. This is what I've been learning and what God has been showing me, and I'm excited for us to look at this together. So I want to take us to a passage of Scripture today. It's in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Let me read it together. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, which is one that we think is uh, very easy to read uh, for many of us. Matthew 11:28 28 says this, Then Jesus said, Come to me, All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus is telling us some some simple, clear things in those verses. He's saying in verse 28, come to me. He's saying, come to Jesus for peace. Verse 29, he's telling us that we can live in combination with him. That's another way of explaining salvation, that he gave us his best on the cross, and we can respond and give him our lives. We can live in combination with him and live for him. He's saying, come to Jesus for peace. Live in combination with him, and you will have the best life. That sounds like an infomercial. That sounds like some empty promise, but I think it's a reality today. Our best life is found in Jesus. Now, let me give you some context. As Jesus was saying these verses, Jesus would have been viewed as a rabbi in his culture. Yes, we know that he's the Messiah. He's God himself. But if your average person would have wandered into the temple and seen him teaching, they would have seen him and looked at him and said, that guy is a rabbi. And I want to go over a couple of things that rabbis have to give you the context of what Jesus is saying here. The first thing that rabbis have is a yoke. Now, some of us may know what a yoke is as something that's draped over uh, two oxen in a farming situation, especially back then, Uh, but a yoke was a metaphor 
uh, for the way that a teacher taught the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, but it was more than that. Their yoke was essentially how they were telling their followers to live life. It was the way that they thought everyone should live, what it meant to be human. It was basically how they viewed everything from marriage and divorce to prayer and money and sex and conflict resolution and government and everything. Uh, A rabbi's yoke was how he viewed life. And sometimes life can be a heavy burden, a hard thing to walk and hard to talk about. And just like those oxen would share the yoke that would link them together and link them to their their cart or a farm implement, the, the people who were following this rabbi would bear the yoke of how he told his followers to live life. Now, here's what you need to know. And this is what made Jesus unique as a teacher and a rabbi. Jesus said that his yoke was easy and that his burden was light. And that wouldn't have been said about other rabbis in that day. In fact, most of these rabbis had extra rules and extra regulations that they added on top of the Bible that would have made it even harder to live life. But the foundation of following Jesus is a relationship with him. The reason that his yoke is is light is because he took the punishment that our sins deserved on the cross. And when we trust in what he did on the cross, We take on his righteousness and we get to live in relationship with him, in partnership with him. And as we live in partnership with him, we don't have to follow rules like some burden that's been placed on us, but we live out of the inspiration of what he did. If someone has made you think that Christianity is just about rules or is just about a set of rules, unfortunately, they've given you a bad picture. They've misled you, but that's reality for some of us, our parents, our grandparents, Christians that we've known through the years have given us this idea that Christianity is just this set of rules. Jesus was surely dealing with this in his context. The heaviness of the rules that the Pharisees and other rabbis had placed on people would have absolutely been in his mind. These people had the commandments that God gave, but these verses are his response to telling us that following him, living for him, making him your rabbi is more than any set of rules. He's saying, come to me for peace, live in combination with me, and you will have your best life. That's the yoke of Jesus. It's, it's easy and it's, it's, it's a burden that's light. There's freedom found in the grace and love that Jesus offers us. A rabbi would have had a yoke and Jesus has a very, very uh, different yoke from the people of his time, but he also would have had apprentices, and every rabbi of that day would have had apprentices. Apprentices is often translated as disciples, and sometimes we hear that Jesus had disciples, and that takes away from the meaning and the language. An apprentice isn't a word that we see often, but when we think of that, we probably think of people who are in the trade industry and people who work with their hands. An apprentice teaches you their craft, they multiply their impact, they send you out into the world, and Jesus had apprentices, or as it's often translated, disciples. Did you know that the first Christians weren't at all called Christians? In chapter 9 of the book of Acts, we see for the first time that people are uh, talking about these people who have taken the gospel to heart, who have started the first church, and these first-time Christians are actually called disciples of the Lord or followers of the way. So what set them apart? Well, it wasn't their name. It wasn't their Christian radio station. It wasn't that they would picket at the abortion clinics or down at the new casino. It wasn't that they had bumper stickers. It wasn't that they had a certain theology or an ethic. I'm sure you could talk to them and find that out. But what set them apart wasn't even that they voted fiscally conservative. What let people know that the first 
Christians were followers of the way was just that, the way that they lived. They lived their lives different than the world around them. Being a follower of Jesus was and is an actual way to live, and you and I miss that often. An apprentice of Jesus would have organized their, their life and themselves around three simple goals. And we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks because I think it's so important for us to grasp. What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, it simply means this, that you will want to be with Jesus, that you will want to become like Jesus. And it means that you will do what he would do if he were you. If you want to experience the life of Jesus you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You can't have it all, but you can have peace and the best life possible through a relationship with Jesus. Now, let me be honest, because sometimes I think as I say these things, people think, oh, that's easy for a pastor to say, or yeah, of course he would say that. It is not easy to apprentice Jesus day in and day out. And I want to be the first one to admit that. There are moments that we find ourselves chasing other things or following the advice of other people. There have been moments in my life this week and this month and this year where I think, what would so-and-so do? What would fill-in-the-blank famous pastor do? I, I follow the same famous Christians and influencers that you do on Instagram and social media. And so I see someone do this and I think, I should lead like that. But then I think, no, that's not who I'm called to be. That's not who I've said I want to follow with my life. And so the whole point of apprenticing Jesus is to model your life after him so you can recover your soul. There's no one else in this world that I can follow who will recover my soul. To follow him means that you've realized that you're flawed. and It means you've realized that you're, you're warped and that you want to be put back together. You want to experience healing in the deepest parts of your being. And Jesus promised life to the full. And he offers that in salvation. The word that we often translate into salvation can actually be translated into healing. And so imagine if every time you and I read the New Testament and we see that someone is, is healed by Jesus, imagine if we understood that that said they were saved by Jesus. They're the same word, but sometimes the cultural and the translation divide takes away from the power of what is happening. The word salvation actually comes from the root word for salve or, or something that we would, would put on a burn or a wound. That's the power of following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, being an apprentice of his entire life. You and I can be healed. Jesus was all about healing people's souls. How did he do that? By letting them apprentice him. Everywhere he went, he offered an invitation to apprenticeship. It often involved the words, come and follow me or come be my apprentice. That's what he said to his first disciples, and that's what he said to many others, and that's what he's offering to you and I. The question that we need to ask ourselves is, are we finding rest with what we're currently apprenticing? Are we finding rest with the way that our lives are currently instructed? Is the yoke that we're bearing easy? Is our burden in this present life light? If the answer is no, based on what Jesus has promised us, I think that you and I can say that we are not apprenticing Jesus if we are not experiencing the things that he promised. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You can't have it all, but you can have peace and you can have the best life possible. Well, let me reread Matthew 11 to you again, verses 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Here's what Eugene Peterson says in the message as he paraphrases this. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. The reason that you and I are burnt out in this life is that most of us are not completely apprenticing the lifestyle of Jesus. We continue to live the American dream. We continue to go about the things that we've been taught and think that we can have it all. And when it's convenient, we'll sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top of that life. We pursue some cultural version of Christianity that we've been taught, and we give Jesus the leftovers of ourself and the leftovers of our day. You and I are finite, and so we can't do that. We have to know that we have a certain amount of hours, a certain amount of life, a certain amount of capacity, and it's not depressing when we say, you can't have it all. No, it's freeing because we have to decide how are we going to live for Jesus and what are we going to give Jesus. If you want to follow Jesus, if you want to apprentice Jesus, if you want him to heal you, you have to give him the best of yourself. You have to give him all of yourself. You can't do everything and everything is not a good idea or a blessing. Everything that's offered to you, everything that comes your way, Oh, I've been so blessed to have this opportunity to travel. Well, does that trip and that opportunity line up with you being an apprentice of Jesus? Oh, I've been so blessed to have this second home or this opportunity. Does that opportunity line up with you falling more and more in love with Jesus every day and modeling that to your family and the world around you? If something takes you away from Jesus and his lifestyle then it contradicts the commitment that you've made as a Christ follower. You only have so much time and so much of you, and everything you say yes to is a way that you're saying no to something else. Every time you say yes to one thing, you're saying no to another. And so I want to ask, have you said no to apprenticing Jesus with your schedule and lifestyle without realizing it? What have you said yes to recently? Is that thing keeping you from apprenticing Jesus? Maybe it's taking your time with him. Maybe it's taking away your ability to become more like him. Maybe it's affecting your ability to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and do the things that God has asked you to do. Now that's a lot and we've processed a lot there. And so let me step back and and just be honest again and say this. We all share some common things in our lives and in our culture that we want to do. I want my kids to be just as successful at sports as the next person. I want them to learn all the things that many of us learned in sports growing up, and I want them to to really find themselves in sports and activities. I want them to be musicians. I want them to write songs. I want them to be able to play at church. But the question that I need to be asking as someone who leads my family and leads my house And someone who's apprenticing Jesus is my pursuit of those things or is leading in the pursuit of those things for my kids, taking me away from apprenticing Jesus? Is it taking me away from living the lifestyle that he patterned when he was on this earth? Here's what I mean by this. Some of us are apprenticing the life our parents told us that we should have someday. Some of us 
our, our apprenticing and chasing after material things that we're never going to be able to get. Some of us are apprenticing the expectations of our boss. Some of us are apprenticing the expectations of young kids. Some of us are apprenticing the expectations of our adult kids. Some of us are apprenticing this dream of retiring rich. Some of us are apprenticing Fox News or, or CNN. Some of us are apprenticing our CrossFit gym. Some of us are apprenticing under the fitness industry and how they tell us to dress and how they tell us to act and what they tell us to do. And many of us are apprenticing under the people we follow on Instagram and their influence, whether they're technically an influencer or not. We do what we wanna do when we make decisions. We do what we wanna do in the way that we view and execute relationships and, and we just call it Christian. Well, has that brought you peace? Are you apprenticing Jesus? Or are you saying, hey, follow me, Jesus, and I'll let you know when I need your opinion? Are the things that you're doing giving you peace? Have they brought you life? Or is there just a desire to do more that really never feels like it's fully quenched? How is this pursuit of life? How is this pursuit of peace? How is your pursuit of being healed working out? Has your soul found rest? Jesus said, come to me for peace. That's his way of saying that everything else will never bring us peace. He asks us to live in combination with him. And so we can use our mind and our gifting and our time to show the world his love and live out the change that he's made in our heart and in our life. He gives the best life. He gives rest. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. You and I can't have it all, but we can have peace and we can have the best life possible. If you don't have enough time to spend with Jesus, you aren't apprenticing or following him. Yeah, you're busy. Yeah, your kids play sports and so do mine. Yeah, you have to train for that race that you signed up for. But if that's getting in the way of apprenticing Jesus, then we need to be honest and say that we're not apprenticing Jesus. If you won't let Jesus change you or, or change the things that you naturally wanna do, then you're not apprenticing him. Yeah, you should have God's heart for people, but sometimes it's really hard to put up with people, so you don't want to share your faith. These are the excuses that we make. If you have no interest in doing what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes, if he had your life, then you're not apprenticing him. We all want to feel spiritual at certain times, but we don't want Jesus to touch our ability to spend our money or make decisions, and that's exactly what it means to apprentice him. Are you letting him change you, mold you, is he making you into the person he wants you to be? I want to read Matthew 28, Matthew 11, 28 to 30 to you again. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Well, I recently heard a speaker at a conference that I was at tell a story of his son-in-law who actually works as a stonemason. Now, you and I know that when stones are cut together, they can create some incredible timeless buildings, uh, things that, that last for hundreds of years. Some of the things we've seen like castles over in Europe and, and other structures. And the reality is the suburban houses that we live in don't have stonework like that, at least not real stone. They have something that's called cladding. It's those thin stones that are, are, are cut down and produced in sheets, kind of like tiles, and they can be put up on the side of a house very quickly. 
You can even do it yourself. You can learn it from someone. You can watch a video and figure out the process. And sometimes you and I treat discipleship of Jesus or apprenticing after Jesus in the same way. We don't do it the right way. We do it the quick way. We do it our way. We don't, we don't want stonework. We want cladding. We can adopt the lifestyle and the rhythms and the habits and the example of Jesus. We can spend time with Jesus. We could let him change us. We could desire spending time with him above all else, and we could desire to get out and be alone with him, but sometimes we just want to live our lives and put a Christian sticker on it. I go to church for one hour a week, and so now I'm a Christian. I'm a good person. My parents raised me with values. Maybe, maybe you even send your kids to a Christian school, and so we tell ourselves that makes us Christian, but there is no substitute for being a disciple. There's no substitute for being a follower. There's no substitute for being an apprentice of Jesus and someone that seeks after him. Saying that you were baptized when you're five doesn't make you an apprentice. Living like an apprentice is what makes you an apprentice. And so as you live your life, you're going to be tempted to take the easy way out of discipleship or, or fall for a cheap substitute of Christianity or apprenticing him. But I promise you those things will not lead to peace. Our, our Hilliard YMCA is shut down right now. The place that we normally meet, the, the doors are closed because of this current pandemic. And it's got me on Instagram. It's got me looking around for workouts and things to do. If you see me running around Hilliard kind of like this, not going very fast, please please don't judge me. I'm just trying to stay fit and stay healthy. And so I've, I've been on Instagram and I've been seeing that there's a lot of different places that I can, I can find workouts and it kind of caught my eye this week. There's one thing that I've I've always wanted to work toward, and that was having abs. You can't tell in this sweater that I'm in, but let's just say that I don't have abs. Well, the reality is that I've looked at these workouts and I've studied up, and the path to having abs is pretty clear. Yeah, you can be healthy. Yeah, you can work out. You can even specifically do workouts that target your ab muscles. But the thing that would make the most difference in my life is completely altering and changing my diet. And I've made strides in that. But the reality is, if someone said by looking at my life, does Mark want to have abs? And they watch me go to Swenson's and get a milkshake, or they watch me go to Chick-fil-A for lunch once a week and say that I'm doing it to be a good dad. The conclusion they would come to is they would look at my life and my desire to, to have abs, and they would say, he's not willing to change his lifestyle. He's not willing to change his diet. He's not willing to change the way he functions. He doesn't want abs as much as he talks about it or as much as he jokes about it. And I fear that the same thing can be said of our pursuit of Jesus. If we understand who Jesus is and we understand that he's the only place we can find peace and rest and healing and salvation for our souls, then we should want to follow him and pursue him and know him and live our lives for him. But I fear that when people look at our lives, they would say, no, we don't want that at all. Well, I want to offer you a chance to make that decision today. If maybe last week through the story of Easter, or maybe as we've talked today, you've understood for the first time who Jesus is that even though we were warped and messed up and, and full of sin, Jesus came to this world and he gave his life to pay the price on the cross for our sins. And his life is what heals us. And so if we want to experience the life that he gives us and the healing that he offers us, we just have to just live his lifestyle. We have to surrender our life to him and become an apprentice of his and become someone who is pursuing him with our life.
That's a quick decision, but it's a significant decision to, to say, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to live my life in combination with you. I want to be your apprentice. That's a decision that you can make today. In fact, if you want to talk to someone about that decision, you can text New Life to the phone number that we're going to put on the screen. We would love to talk to you about that decision. You can be an apprentice of Jesus. You can be a follower of Jesus. You can find rest for your weary soul, and you can be someone who knows Jesus and has a relationship with him today. Some of us would say that we've already made that decision. We've already been disciples and apprentices of Jesus, but if we're being honest, Maybe we haven't really done that with everything that we have or every everything that we are. So what does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? Well, it means that we want to be with Jesus. And if you're looking for ways that you can be with Jesus this week, that you can spend time in his presence, reading his word, spend time in prayer, I want to I wanna point you to the home base page on our website. We've got some wonderful resources there. There's some reading plans that'll point you to the YouVersion app. They'll take you through different books of the Bible and things that you can do. And here's one I want to challenge us very specifically with. There is a reading plan called Quarantine Quiet Time that is on the home base page. And I would love for us to take the next 30 days and read through that. Model that in our homes. Model that in our groups. Model that for our families. Spend time with Jesus reading his word and praying for him. In fact, there's a prayer guide that you'll find on that home base site too. It's some of the things that we pray as elders and leaders, as a staff. It's some of the things that we pray when we have our prayer gatherings on Zoom or when we used to have them in person as a church. It will guide you through praying for our church and praying for your life and your spirit. That's what it would look like to be with Jesus this week. What does it look like to become like Jesus? Well, I think a simple exercise that you can do is just to sit down and make a list of things that you think need to change in your life, things that need to change in your character, in your habits, in your spirit. As you look at who Jesus is and you look at where you are, what are some ways that Jesus is chiseling you and and shaping you into a different person? And how can you make those adjustments and how can you make those changes to have your character reflect his? An apprentice of Jesus will want to be with Jesus and become like Jesus, and they'll want to do what he would do if he were you. We talked about a lot of things this week, things that you could do, things that you couldn't do, and I hope you didn't walk away from this with a list of, oh, these are the things that Mark said are bad. No, I hope you're asking, what should I do as someone whose life and heart and eternity and trajectory have been forever changed by the sacrifice of Jesus? What should I do going forward? For some people in our church, that's meant starting a non-for-profit. For some people, that's meant adopting a child or adding to to their family or fostering a child. For some people, that's just meant taking a break from relationships or ending a relationship. I don't know what Jesus is calling you to do. But if you're spending time in his presence, you'll be asking, Jesus, what do you want from me and what do you want me to change? I would, I would just ask that if you're in a movement group this week, you share those things that Jesus is putting on your heart. Share those with your group. Share those with your community. And if you're not in a movement group, you can go to movementgroups.com. Now would be a wonderful time to have people to share life with as you apprentice Jesus together. Well, I want to just say thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for dialing into this scripture and, and dialing into where we are. I want us as a church to be people who are experiencing the life of Jesus. And if you and I want to experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Let's run after that together this week. Let's be people who are apprenticing Jesus and reflecting his lifestyle. Thanks for being with us today. 
Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.